Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Hey, folks, before we start the show, let's talk about our Patreon page at Patreon.com slash Bob Show. The Bob Seska Show is almost entirely fueled by our Patreon subscribers. You know that. And we couldn't do four-plus shows a week without your generous financial support. So if you dig what you hear, please consider signing up for just $5 per month on our Patreon page. And depending on your pledge, you're going to get all kinds of bonus content from me and my troop of co-hosts. Plus, it's actually the best place to contact me in person as we continue to post exclusive content like our Shadow Docket shows twice per week, as well as the Friday After Party podcast and commercial-free versions of this show. So get going. What are you waiting for? Again, that's bobseskashow.com or patreon.com slash bobseskashow. And now let the cartoons begin. The Bob Seska Show. Bob Seska. It appears Seska has been genetically altered. The Bob Seska Show. Former Nation's Capital, it is Wednesday, August 2, 2023, and this is the Bob Seska Interview on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Bob. Hello, Bob. Hi. Day 924 of the Biden-Harris administration, 460 days until the 24th presidential election. You can find me on Instagram and threads at TheBobSeska. Twitter is BobSeska underscore go, spoutable Bob Seska, and our Patreon page is BobSeskaShow.com. So it's Donna Halper Day on the podcast. Donna is a college professor, a media historian, and baseball researcher. You might know Donna from her writing at DonnaHalper.com or her induction into the Radio Hall of Fame or her historic role introducing my favorite band Rush to American audiences on WMMS in Cleveland. Or you know Donna from such podcasts as this one. Well, today we're going to dig into Elon's Twitter, the latest round of criminal indictments against Donald Trump, questions from our Patreon subscribers, including questions about baseball. Meantime, think about supporting this fully independent podcast by subscribing to our Patreon page at bobseskashow.com. Okay, here's me and one of my favorite people in the whole wide world, the great Donna Halper. More fun, more music, the Bob Seska Show. There you are. All right. Hey, I'm going to turn on my camera. I think you should. See <laughs> your smiling face. You're the only person I ever talk with on the Wednesday show where I actually turn on my camera. As well you 
should. Handsome guy like you. Come on, ladies and gentlemen of the radio audience. Let me be the first to say Bob Seska is handsome. Okay, so there I've said it. All right. He paid me good money to say it, too. Okay, uh, You're so sweet. And Thank if you. you, were me, Thank you'd you. Do the same thing. Yes, of course. Of course I would. And so, I make a few extra bucks. Come on. You know? <laughs> so it's a slow news day, isn't it? Yeah, you know, if only something would happen. You know, I just, God, it's just so boring. Are we going to have to, like, talk about Biden being old again? I mean, geez, you know. <laughs> Did you do that thing yesterday? Mark Hamill was trying to get uh, a protest going where no one should tweet on Tuesday. And I I made it through the entire day without tweeting or retweeting anyone. I'm kind of proud of myself because I'm quite addicted to using Twitter. And so I, I found myself... But, 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 but it's not Twitter anymore. It's Oh, that's X. right. Yeah. I'm always going to call it Twitter. I think we're all still calling it Twitter, aren't we? I mean, is anyone saying, I got to run over and post an X thing on X? Is anyone hey, doing X that? marks the spot. You know what I mean? Um, I, I First of all, I think if we wait a while, he'll change it to Y or Z or, you know, some other thing. Um, but by and large, this is a real problem with branding. Yeah. If people are accustomed to calling you Wiebelfetzer and you suddenly arbitrarily say, no, no, it's now do <laughs> except... Everyone for years has called you, you know, we find this with Coca-Cola. When yeah. Coke tried to have new Coke, nobody wanted to talk about new Coke. They were just happy with Coca-Cola, you know, and this is a branding issue. Yeah. So, yeah, he can say by fiat that, yeah, we're X. Now, I have not seen one person on Twitter and I've got for some odd reason, more than 9,000 followers. That's you got right. more than me. Yeah. But the bottom line is we both got a ton of followers. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen anyone immediately switch over. And I'm not just talking about, oh, well, that's just lefties. Even the righty people that follow me and that we talk about Rush and this and that, they're still like, hey, I'll tweet this out. And no, nobody's. Nah. Of course, of course. Nah. So what do you make of all of that? Why, I mean, why did he go and change the branding? Why did he decide to do this? And, and, you know, by extension, Donna, why would David Zaslov go and change HBO to Max, of all things? HBO is like the gold standard as far as streaming television goes, prestige television. It was like years ago when Sci-Fi changed its name to SYFY that version of sci-fi. Yep. I don't understand the reasoning behind some of these switcheroos that they're pulling. Well, to be honest with you, at this point, the reasoning is because they can. Ah. Okay? These are fabulously wealthy people who, in many cases, are egocentric, completely detached from what the average person wants, this is a vanity project for them. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they don't want to make money. I'm not saying they don't want to, you know, have a successful whatever. Mm -hmm. But I think that for a lot of these guys, and they are mostly guys, um, I think that for a lot of these guys, it's more about, hey, this is mine. I've got it. 
It's my toy, and I'll call it whatever I want to call it. So, mm. and and I'm sitting there going, okay, but don't you want to keep your audience happy? And then I got to stop myself and say, nah. <laughs> what they're more concerned with is getting more ink, getting more press, yeah. getting more attention, getting people talking about their favorite subject, them. Right. Okay. Notice how the former guy is so able to get the conversation back to him. Mm -hmm. I mean, forget indictments. We'll talk about those in a couple of minutes. Yeah. But just in general, okay, it's a Wednesday and we're talking about blah, blah, blah. And suddenly Trump comes out with some outrageous thing he says and the media who are drawn to outrage like moths to a flame have got to just like, oh, my God, he said blah, blah, blah. I, and, yeah, and he's always going to say blah, 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 mm -hmm. as long as he gets attention for saying blah, blah, blah. So I think to some degree, Elon and the rest of the billionaires, they're going to play around with these brands just because it feeds their ego, it makes them feel good, it makes them feel important, and we give them attention. Yeah. Yeah. If a whole bunch of people just said, we're never advertising, we're going to ignore you and go over to some other venue, now agreed. Threads doesn't do a lot of the stuff that I wish it would do, okay? You can't get it on your desktop. There's just a multitude of things you can't do with it. But my point is it makes a statement that an awful lot of people went over there. And if Elon is smart, he will realize that, yeah, this is fun getting everybody to hate on you and getting all of the ultra-right-wingers to say, oh, my God, sir, you're a genius. But at some point, the rent does have to be paid. Yeah. And at some point, the folks at Tesla are going to get upset and the folks at SpaceX and all of the other stuff that arguably has been good for the economy those shareholders are going to start feeling like, you know what, a little bit too much controversy. I mean, they did toss him out of PayPal way back when. Mm -hmm. It's been known to happen that shareholders rise up and say, enough with the controversy, enough court neo-Nazis and haters. Let's just get back to tweeting yeah. or xing if you prefer but we haven't gotten there yet we're still in the oh my god can you believe who he let back on the platform yeah uh this is a guy who claims he's all about free speech unless you criticize him in which case he's suddenly not about free speech like he's suing an organization that tracks hate speech um dude you said you were a free speech absolutist mm -hmm. so you're sort of not. You're only a, oh, sir, you're wonderful, absolutist. Um, I don't <laughs> think it's useful mm -hmm. to have so many platforms. And I don't care whether they're platforms I like or platforms I hate. I don't think it's useful to have so many platforms in the hands of billionaires. Yeah. I mean, I don't know where CNN Plus would have gone, okay? Maybe it would have been great. Maybe it would have been awful. But it never got a chance 
And I see these kinds of arbitrary decisions, like changing it to max, like changing it to sci-fi, like changing it to X. And those of us that use it, geez, I must have missed the memo. No one asked me what I thought. Did anybody ask you? Nope, not at all. Okay, so it wasn't personal. It wasn't just like because it was me. It was like they didn't ask you either. (laughs) Sooner or later, the restaurant that ignores its customers, the store that ignores the shoppers, nothing lasts forever in the world today. Yeah, yeah. And people can turn on a dime. I've seen it happen many, many times, especially with certain celebrities that we elevate and we put them on a pedestal. And then when they do something that's slightly out of the norm, we reject them and then we beat them down and then they disappear. And that can happen. Here's your annual Rush mention. This is one of the reasons why I always liked Rush. Okay, fine. Agreed. I've been friends with them for years. Agreed. I have a long history with the band. So what? There's a lot of people I've had a long history with because I have to work with them, okay? (laughs) You've worked with people that, like, you sort of just in your mind, you're like, you know, of all the things I'd like to – a root canal would be preferable, I think, (laughs) you know? But on the other hand, it's in your best interest to get along with the person, Mm -hmm. so you get along with them. We've all had to do it. But in this case, these are three very nice people. Now, I am not going to lie and say that, oh, yes, they were saintly and they spent their lives reading the Bible. Nope, that not, no, no, no. (laughs) They had bad days like everybody else. But overall, I can honestly say, and I have my Bible right here. I used to be a chaplain. I will swear on the Bible that as far as I know, Rush remained family men. They remained honorable, decent charitable human beings, whether they were successful or whether they were three kids from Toronto that no one had ever heard from. Mm. I personally, in all the years I've known the guys, and I've known them since 1974, I haven't seen a lot of change. I haven't seen a lot of headlines, you know, rush trash hotel room and, you know, no, no. They weren't that kind of people. Their parents didn't raise them like that. But boy, howdy, that's unusual in our business. Mm -hmm. I mean, even politicians, okay? I mentioned to you off list um, that my friend Matt Lewis wrote a book about politics and money. And okay, fine. He's center right. A lot of what he says is kind of, you know, pro, how should we say, Mm anti-Democrats. But there's chapters that are anti-Republicans, because let's be honest, money in politics changes people. And he does a very good job of showing how these changes occur. And it's sad because both righties and lefties have been corrupted by money in politics. One of the few people I can honestly say has not changed a whole heck of a lot is Bernie. Whether you like Bernie or whether you hate Bernie, he was cranky 50 years ago. He's cranky (laughs) today. But my point is the way he lives and what he believes are pretty similar, but that's unusual. So, yeah, you're going to see, like you said, you're going to see some rock star who's been put up on a pedestal. And I always tell the fans, I beg you, don't put people up on pedestals, because then if they're having a bad day, 
Yeah. Oh, my God. They've just destroyed my faith in them. Like, <laughs> I, I give anyone credit for the fact that if they had a bad day, they tell the truth about it. They say, hey, I had a bad day. But by and large, the very, very, very wealthy, and I'm not trying to generalize. I'm just talking about people I've known over the years. The more money you get, the more you can become insulated from what's happening in the lives of ordinary people. And that can become so problematic because it leads us to the problems we have today, yeah. okay? Yeah. I'm not saying that Donald Trump is a bad guy because he's rich. I'm not saying that at all. I am, however, saying there are some people who become rich and they're incredibly charitable. Warren Buffett comes to mind, mm -hmm. okay? Whether you like his politics or not, the guy's incredibly charitable. It's well-documented, okay? Jeff Bezos, whether you like his politics or not, he has stayed out of the Washington Post newsroom. He hasn't told them what to write. They have, you know, been critical of Amazon, and he's just let them be critical of Amazon. He didn't have to do that. He could have, like, stomped on the newsroom and said, these are the topics you will not discuss. But he never did that. I give him credit for that. And he's got more money than you and I will ever see. So I'm not trying to generalize that. Well, every rich person is an idiot. I'm not saying that at all. Mm -hmm. But I am saying, boy, howdy, there are some people, they get some money. It just changes them. Yeah. Yeah. How is Elon's meddling with formerly Twitter going to impact the 2024 election cycle? Because I get the see, sense that he's... Worries. Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. worries. He's already doing it in foreign countries mm -hmm. where he's allowing dictatorships to censor content. Now, in fairness to Elon, there are other billionaires who own platforms whose initials are Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> and whose initials are Jeff Bezos and whose initials are many other billionaires yeah. who have tried very hard to stay on the good side of China and various other countries where they want to do business. I get that. But the thing that worries me is when you say, okay, we're going to come down on what we're going to like Turkey. We're going to make sure that the opposition party never gets on Twitter. Okay. China, we're going to make sure that anybody that says bad things about the Chinese government will censor them for you. You got nothing to worry about. So these kinds of decisions, which in many cases are grounded in business, they're ground, oh, you know, I, I want to do business in China, so I can't criticize the Chinese government. I understand it's a tough situation to be in, like we were saying a few minutes ago. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you got to do business with people that you personally, in your own life, would probably not do business with, but you need the business, so you do the business. So I understand, but I don't have to like the idea. Yeah. The precedent has been set where these big platforms come down on one side or the other. Oh, we're not going to look at neo-Nazi misinformation. We're not going to touch anti-vax misinformation. We're going to stay neutral. Uh, as a certain rock band said, if you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice, That's right. okay? So if you're not going to come down as an arbiter, as an honest broker of misinformation, if you're going to allow the haters to hate, 
that's just, yeah, that could affect the election. Yes, mm-hmm. it could. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the fact that he's selling these memberships to what's now, I guess, called X Blue, those people are all getting increased reach on Twitter yeah. over and yeah. above the usual users on Twitter. So yeah, that's I miss what, the yeah. old days when verification actually meant something. Mm-hmm. And I say that bowing before you because you have a blue check mark. I was told I was not important enough to have a blue check. I had they one. told me that yeah. Twitter verification told me that I was not important enough to have a blue check mark. Mm-hmm. So I never got one. And I lived with the sad fact that I am unimportant. But, you know, <laughs> well, you know, I, you know, I don't have a blue check on Facebook and I've been on Facebook longer than I had been on Twitter and I don't have a blue check on Instagram. So it's like it's one of those things where, yeah, I mean, some guy saw my application and said, yeah, fine, we'll give him a blue check. But now Elon's taken that away. And so I'm not verified on any of the major platforms. I'm, a, I'm verified on a couple of the minor ones, but not on any of the, the big ones, the big competitors. But you're also looking at the fact that some of these billionaire folks also use the legal system to keep from being held accountable. If right. you say something against them, they threaten to sue you, as I mentioned a couple of minutes ago. So, you know, every time I'm on a podcast or a webcast, I always think to myself, oh, I just said something negative about so-and-so. I wonder if I'm going to hear from their attorney. Now, agreed, it's my opinion. And the last time I checked, First Amendment, and I try very hard to be factual in the things I say. I know some people think I'm just babbling endlessly, but the reality is while I babble endlessly, I also do some research. I got some notes. I, you know, check into some stuff. I don't just like say stuff that comes into my mind. You know, I try very hard to be reasonable in what I am saying. Mm -hmm. And when I say reasonable, I mean it in the classical sense, like using reason. So, If it seems to me that the playing field isn't level because a small number of folks are manipulating it, that makes me very nervous, okay? I mean, let's look at what happened as we are recording this yesterday with the indictments, Mm -hmm. except if you watch Fox News, what indictments? (laughs) Indictments? Oh, did they indict Hunter Biden finally? Mm -hmm. Okay. I mean, are we going to indict Biden? And I'm sitting there going, uh, indict Biden for what? Yeah. Now, for those that are listening and are like, oh, sure, she's a shill. Nah. Mm. Joe Biden, as I have said on more than one occasion, was not my first choice. Let me say that again. Joe Biden was not. My first choice. Am I neither? I always yeah. liked Bernie. Mm-hmm. Okay. I didn't think Bernie was electable. I thought Biden was electable. So I went with Biden. Okay. I'm not sorry that I did. I think he is a decent human being and I think he has restored dignity and decency to the presidency. Do I agree with everything he does? Nope. Is he a good public speaker? Nope. He was never a good public speaker 50 years ago. That's right. And my phone ain't ringing. I train Mm -hmm. public speakers. I would be happy to help. But nope. That said, am I really glad that he's in the White House as opposed to the chaos of the previous administration? Why, yes, I am. And yet this morning, Ron DeSantis, who needs to do something, 
So, the, oh, yes, he would support an impeachment of Biden. And I'm sitting there going, let me say this again, impeach him for what? Right. Now, I agree. There is a president somewhere in the world that deserves to be impeached. But I don't see it with Biden. I really don't. You think it's Hunter just- Biden, like him or hate him, private citizen. Yeah. Not in the White House like Jared and Ivanka were. Not guilty of, you know, getting Chinese trademarks when we were supposed to have a trade war with China. Not guilty of getting tons of money from the Saudis. Okay. So, I mean, nobody looked into that. Mm -hmm. But- Oh, my God, the Biden crime family. In what universe is yeah. Joe Biden known for being horribly corrupt and this and that? And I, even his enemies, if you sit them down, would have to really, really stretch to find something that he did that was corrupt. This is all about distracting from the former guy mm -hmm. and the fact that people are willing to go along with this. I tweeted yesterday, Bobby, that I'm old enough to remember when if your political opponent was having trouble, you piled on immediately. I mean, you couldn't wait to say bad things about your opponent. But Trump gets indicted. And just about all the major folks in the Republican Party are like, this is so unfair. I, I, no, F-A-F-O, as they say in French, okay? <laughs> um, you bought the ticket, now you're taking the ride. Yep. So unfortunately, he was indicted. And I say unfortunately, because now there's going to be all this chaos around it. But I am stunned that every major candidate, and I'm talking the upper tier, not the people that are polling 1%, okay? Every major Republican candidate, oh, the Department of Justice is corrupt and this and that. And I'm like, um, guys, you've got this great opening. You could really like go after him for, nope, nope, Stum, not a sound. Mm -hmm. Just, I, I yeah. don't get it. What am I missing? It's petty vengeance is what it is. It's, they impeached Donald Trump twice. So now we're going to get them back by putting together some sort of ridiculous, flimsy set of charges with which to impeach Joe Biden because we're a bunch of children and we need to uh, own the libs. That's exactly what this is about. It's nonsense. But why won't Trump's opponents go after him? Mm -hmm. this, is, this is what makes me nervous, okay? This is an authoritarian cult. And I say that kindly because there's a whole bunch of my Republican friends that privately say the same thing. It's like, why can't you speak against dear leader? Why can't you say that like the emperor has no clothes? Why can't you say that, oh my God, he really did try to overthrow a legitimate election. He really did encourage X, Y, and Z. Why can't you say that? Yeah. Oh, you can't say it. This blows me away. What drives me crazy, Donna, is what we see on, on networks like Fox News in the wake of these kinds of charges being handed down, where they're not 
defending Donald Trump based on the merits of or lack of merit of the individual counts or the indictment itself. Generally speaking, what they're doing is rejecting the premise of the question entirely. Like mm -hmm. there was mm -hmm. nothing there was what, what there's nothing worth doing. This is all about this is a game. This is a conspiracy. They're doing this because Donald Trump is running for president without even addressing the, the charges themselves. Yeah, yeah. The Justice Department is politicized under Biden. Excuse mm. me? Yeah. I mean, did that did is there an alternative universe where nobody remembers how Trump used to call Matt Barr, uh, not Matt Barr, I'm thinking Matt, my friend Matt Lewis. I <laughs> the Bill Barr yeah. and say to him like how come you don't prosecute so-and-so? And I um, I don't want a president who gets out there and says, you should prosecute so-and-so. And contrary to myth, I don't have any evidence that Biden did that, okay? Yeah. I mean, while it is true that they are probably eating cake and ice cream in the White House today, I don't have any evidence None, zero, that Biden went to Merrick Garland and said, you will prosecute this guy, because if that's the case, boy, howdy, it took a long time, okay? Um, I personally think that thanks to the January 6th committee, and correct me if I'm wrong, there was so much evidence laid out, evidence from Trump's own team, yep. evidence from people that worked for him, not from Democratic shills, but for Republicans, that there was something horribly wrong with what he did, and he should be held accountable. Mm -hmm. We have always had an orderly transfer of power, even when we didn't agree with the results. I did not agree with the Bush v. Gore decision. I thought that several members of the court should have recused themselves because they had ties to the Republican Party. But I did not hear Al Gore go on radio and TV and say, we must rise up, brothers and sisters. I mean, just nothing. Yeah. Just was like, hey, I lost. End of story. He handled it with grace and dignity. God bless him. McCain, like him or hate him, he lost to Obama, handled it with dignity and grace. This is how we've always done it. Mm-hmm. I saw Tom Cotton, I think, on Fox News Channel last night saying something to the effect of, well, look, uh, every single Republican who's been elected president in the last uh, or in this century in particular uh, has faced Democrats who contested the results of the election. 2000, uh, 2016. Of course, I guess you could throw 2004 in there, too. But the thing is. No Democrat ever invaded and occupied Congress in that endeavor. No one ever engaged in a conspiracy with the Department of Justice to overthrow the election. No one or engaged in a with fa the fake election. Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers. Exactly. To, uh, yeah. 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 I mean, no one engaged in a fake there. elector scheme to disenfranchise millions of Americans. None well, of that happened. Like these, yeah. It's like these folks trying to like equate Hunter Biden. Mm -hmm. with, you know, one of these things is not like the other. Okay. <laughs> it is true. Yeah. Hunter Biden traded on his father's name. Do you know who else traded on their father's name? Ivanka and Jared. Hello? Every politician's kid since time immemorial, righties, 
lefties, libertarians, Whigs, if you had a father who was in politics or in modern times a mother, you traded on their name. But there's still zero evidence that Joe Biden conspired with Hunter. None. Mm -hmm. Well, he picked up the phone and he said hello to the guy that I pick up the phone and say hello to all kinds of people. So what? Okay. (laughs) I mean, if somebody's on a call and I'm there, mom raised me to be courteous. I'll say hello. But there's no evidence that Hunter Biden conspired with foreign powers and gave the money to Joe. And yet they're going to impeach him on that? Yeah. Really? Uh, you know what? I don't think they're going to get the votes, Donna. I don't think it's going to happen. I think they're floating this. I think there's there's a lot of wishful thinking. Obviously, they're using this to present the patina of wrongdoing around Joe Biden with the 2024 election in mind. But ultimately, I don't think it's going to go anywhere. And I don't you know who doesn't want them to do this desperately? Yeah. Republicans who won in a Biden district. Right. Okay. Every moderate Republican, and there are still some in the Northeast, okay, and in the upper Midwest. And those folks are sitting there praying to whatever gods there be that the that resolution goes down in flames because the ads write themselves, okay? So-and-so supported, you know, it, it's, if I'm trying to position myself as a moderate, the last thing I want to do is be associated with some Fox News far-right resolution that Biden should be impeached. Now, again, don't get me wrong. Do I like everything Biden has done? Nope, sure don't. Did I like everything Obama did? Nope, did not, or Bernie, or anybody else for that matter. But not everything rises to the level of impeachment. Mm. You're right. This is about owning the libs. This is about, well, you did this to me, so I'm going to do that to you. So, yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. What sandbox are we playing in? I know. Well, it's like during the Trump years, the thing I objected to almost as much as some of the stuff he did was the way he talked to people. I am not used to a politician insulting other people just regularly frequently all the time. I just, I'm not used to it. I'm used to politicians criticizing the stuff the other person did. Well, you voted for such and such, and that was a wrong vote. And, you know, you're never in your district and you don't really even live there. That I'm used to. I've been seeing that for years. But, you know, you're ugly and you're stupid and, you know, your wife's a commie and I'm just, ew. (laughs) But now that genie is out of the bag and everyone is talking like that. Biden tries not to, okay? There are times when even he kind of slips into it, but in general, he doesn't. And I think we'd all be better off if we just took a breath and stopped calling each other names because there's so much policy that we could complain about. Why name call? But I guess this is where we are right now. Yeah. Name calling, Donna, at least in my research, has always kind of been a thing in American politics, but it's always at a certain level. It's never risen to the level of presidents or 
presidential hopefuls using that kind of tactic. It's always been the milieu of people like us, people rank and file, activists, commentators, often engage in that kind of uh, uh, red meat tossing, whatever you want to call it. But when it comes to leaders, leaders should be above that. And in fact, to an extent, they rely on the rest of us to do sort of the grunt work in the trenches, uh, so to speak. I'll give you the best example that I can give you. Okay. And you and I talked about this off list a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Um, Mitch McConnell had a health scare. Now, let's be honest, Mitch McConnell, unless I missed it, is older than Biden. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people in Congress, God bless them. And I say this as a friendly 76 year old, there's a lot of people in Congress that it really is time for them to retire. They've been on the job too long. And I'm talking both righties and lefties. At a certain point, if you're not capable of doing your job, you shouldn't do it. And I'm not talking senility. I'm talking health. It looks to me, we're now finding out, McConnell has had a bunch of falls. I mean, Biden, unfortunately, his stumbles were on camera. Um, McConnell's were off camera, Mm -hmm. but they were very serious. In one case, he had a concussion and broken ribs and was out of commission for months. My heart goes out to the guy. Why is he still there? Now, I understand he wants to be in power. I get it. But health wise, when I saw that the other day on camera where he just Rose. He can play it off all he wants. Mm-hmm. It sure looked like a mini stroke to me. Now, I'm no doctor and I don't play one on TV, but I have friends who are doctors and they were like, it looks like a mini stroke. Yeah. And they should have rushed him to the hospital. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Just get him over there. But they didn't. And he came right back and everything's fine. And he's making sandbag jokes and this mm-hmm. and that. But he Here's what I noticed. When McConnell had that incident, just about every Democrat that I follow, and many that I don't, wished him well, wished him health, hoped he was okay. When Nancy Pelosi's husband, Paul, was attacked by a knife-wielding, you know, hammer-throwing thug who broke into his house. Even some politicians floated the, well, it must have been his gay lover, and, you know, and and not even a word of sympathy, just like this hateful discourse. And I'm saying, you know, I commend Democrats in this case. I'm sure there were a few that were like, yeah, yeah, you know, he's sick, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But by and large, the organized response was to wish him well. Whereas when Pelosi was injured, the organized response was pretty shameful, to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah. yeah, there were a few Republicans who came out and wished him well, but most of them either said nothing. Or joined the name calling in the innuendos. Mm -hmm. That's unfortunate. Because, again, I'm old enough to remember when if your opponent was down, you were courteous. Now, if you were running against him, you capitalized immediately. 
But if you were just like an innocent bystander, you know, just like if God forbid something happened to name someone, I'll, I'll name someone Rush Limbaugh. I was never a fan. Okay. <laughs> when I found out that he had cancer, I was among the many who donated to the American Cancer Society. Why? Not because I like him, but because of the fact that I'm a cancer survivor and I don't want to see anyone have cancer, okay? I will be very happy when we come to a day when nobody is dying of cancer. Mm -hmm. So one of these things is different from the other. My mother said, God rest her soul, when someone is down, when someone is sick, you don't stand on ceremonies. That's not when you attack the person, okay? You just don't. And so that's how I try to live my life. Yeah. So I was just appalled that people weren't just like, oh my God, Paul Pelosi, you know, is there anything that we can do, Nancy? I mean, we may not agree with you politically, but we are so sorry this happened. I, no. There's billions to be made on that hatred, Donna, and that's oh, the, the tragedy of it all. And quite honestly, uh, where does that go? Where does that, you've gamed that out into the future, let's say five years down the road. That kind of divisiveness for the sake of profit in particular, yep. it seems like we're well, on a dangerous trajectory. that's that whole right-wing media machine. And yeah. again, for my right-wing friends that are watching this and they've now decided to unfollow me on Twitter, <laughs> I have never said that Democrats are perfect. Never said it. If you've listened to my series of podcasts with my friend Bob Seska and others, mm -hmm. I will call BS whenever I see it. If I think somebody on the left is not behaving well, I will say so. It's not just me going after the righties, honest to God, okay? But when it comes to rudeness, when it comes to cruelty, I mean, the cruelty is the point. And I find that profoundly disappointing. That kind of discourse goes nowhere. And you're right. It's monetized by Fox News. I mean, the former guy is raising money off of his indictments. Yep. You know, mm -hmm. it's like he's holding himself up as a messiah figure. I'm doing this for you. OK, I'm being indicted for you, no, dude, you're being indicted because you tried to overthrow a legitimate election, okay? Yeah. Has nothing to do with you as the savior. Um, but unfortunately, there is money to be made by the tons from spreading the message that, like, we're the victims and we have to fight back. And I, the only people benefiting from this are Trump's legal team. Mm -hmm. The good news is his lawyers are finally getting paid yeah. because normally his lawyers don't get paid. But because he's taken money from his political action camp, is that legal? But at least his lawyers are getting paid. That's a good question. And I've been asking that question for a while now. Can you offer a potential witness who would testify against you money for a legal defense? Isn't that some form of bribery? Isn't that bribing, bribing the sure, witness? You yeah. should have some legal scholars on your <laughs> I should. show. And I should. I don't know. But something is wrong with this picture. Okay, short break. Back with more Donna Helper right after these words. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs. A gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs. Now on digital. 
thatsleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Bob Seska! All-time favorites all day long. Should they televise this upcoming trial regarding Donald Trump and the indictments that were handed down uh, last night? Should that trial be televised in the District of Columbia? And will that change any minds? Uh, seeing so everything laid out like that. Remember when Trump said, I could get on Fifth Avenue and shoot someone and never lose a vote? Yeah. As we have seen, this is a cult of personality. Mm-hmm. And he's right. He can do just about anything, grab them by the, mm-mm-mm. he can say vulgar things. He can call a person with a disability rude names and mock him. Mm-hmm. He can, I mean, no problem. Okay. So the reality is there's about 30% of this country that it wouldn't matter what he was found. You know, he could be found in a room with Putin plotting, you know, nope, nope, Mm -hmm. didn't happen. Fox News says it didn't happen. No problem. Over on Earth 2, none of these things are happening. It's all about the Biden crime family, okay? So if that's the universe you're living in, I mean, the fish doesn't realize it's swimming in water. If you're swimming in a sea of misinformation, no, that's a trial is not going to change the minds of the 30% that are in that cult and that only read and only watch and only listen to media that tell them that they're right. Their guy is perfect and, you know, he's being persecuted. Now, should it be televised? I'm of two minds about that. Hmm. I think that there's a part of me that thinks, yeah, it would be very informative for the country. There's another part of me that remembers the OJ trial and that remembers people mugging for the cameras and performing for the cameras. And it became a TV show rather than a trial. And I worry about it becoming a TV show because who's really good at doing television? Yeah. The former guy. So he will turn this to his advantage using the medium that he is so good at. And that makes me very nervous. I want to see him get a fair trial. I want to see everyone get a fair trial. But if you put someone who is a master of using television... If you put that guy on television, haven't you like put the thing in his wheelhouse? So we might uh, we we might actually be better off if it weren't on television. If it were mainly left to the print journalists and to the commentators and to the actual reporters to talk about what's happening and make it harder for him to dominate the discourse. I wonder though Donna if undecided voters might benefit from seeing 
the evidence laid out in the context of a trial, knowing that there's a chance that Donald Trump won't testify uh, because that would be a disaster. He would end up perjuring himself all over the place. Relentlessly, every 15 seconds. Exactly right. And he may be, he may have that Donald Trump holding court razzle-dazzle thing that he does when he's in debates or when he's doing his rallies where the the faithful red hats all love it and he does the greatest hits. Uh, Oh, yeah. But I wonder what undecided voters will think when they see all of this laid out very, very clearly. A lot of stuff that those of us who have been following the January 6th investigations already know about, but which so many people haven't been exposed to these crimes and the details behind the crimes. They're basically getting little bits and pieces of headlines as they walk past the television on their way out the door to take their kids to soccer practice. You know what I mean? I'm going to say something that you may disagree with and... Mm. That's fine. That's I will fine. still love you, and I hope you will still love me. Same, yes. I don't think there are a lot of independents anymore. Hmm. I think independent is a euphemism for a Republican who isn't really that fond of Trump but yeah. dares not say so, okay? I think that an awful lot of independents really would vote for a Republican in a hot minute, but it's not popular with certain groups of people to come out and say, oh yeah, you know, I'm part of that cult of personality. So they just go, oh, I'm an independent. Now, it may very well be that there is a sliver of the population that truly has not made up its mind. Yeah. I would be more likely to say that there are low information voters, okay? And both parties have them. There are people that just, you know, they wouldn't know Jack Smith if they walked down the street next to him. Okay. You and I are like, oh my God, Jack Smith went into the courthouse, you know, (laughs) but the average person who's Jack Smith and what's a courthouse. Okay. I mean, most people are worried about paying their bills, getting the kids ready for school, the new semester starting up, this, that, you know, this car payment due and all of the ins and outs of politics. They follow it sort of tangentially. So, yeah. Do I think that there are some voters who might be interested in the spectacle? Mm -mm. Yeah, there may very well be. But what lesson do we want them to get? What I'm nervous about is it's the spectacle that will attract them Mm -hmm. rather than the facts of the case. Yeah. Does that make any sense? Oh, absolutely. And this is a a huge hypothetical question for you, Donna, but I'm curious to hear your perspective on all of this and your insight. Let's say all of this happened in 1983 rather than 2023. Indictments were just handed down against former President Donald Trump for all of these crimes. Only it's 1983 in that media environment, no internet, and a much less divisive electorate. How different would the public perception be of this particular historical event occurring in 1983 versus 2023? And don't forget, in 1983, you still had the Fairness Doctrine. That's right. Now, Reagan was trying his best to get rid of it, and he Mm -hmm. did by 1987. But it still existed, and I was in radio at that time. And you still had to try to present both sides. You didn't have commentators masquerading as reporters. Mm -hmm. You didn't have the blending of opinion with fact. And it was easier on some levels to get information that had at least sort of been fact-checked, okay? Yeah. I think 
the emphasis would have been on the case rather than on the spectacle. Mm -hmm. This is a made-for-TV moment. Yeah. Okay? Um, I'll give you another example. I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday about why, no matter what Joe Biden does, the media don't give him credit for it. Mm -hmm. The guy could come up with the cure for cancer. And yes, but he's old. Okay? Um, So it's almost like the economy's getting better. Nope, nothing to see here. Uh, More people are working than ever before. Nope, nothing to see here. Prices are coming down. Nope, nothing to see here. There's a thing in the media called negativity bias. Mm -hmm. Negativity bias. I know it. Which means, and you know what this means, bad news sells. Okay? And... Biden, for the most part, and I'm not talking about how partisans, partisans, oh, the Biden crime, I'm talking about Earth One, where in reality, he's just kind of an ordinary Democratic president. Mm -hmm. He hasn't been captured by the left. He hasn't been guilty of crimes. He's just like an ordinary guy that doesn't speak very well and that, you know, has a good heart and has done some really, really smart things. And I know people that know him that say that one-on-one, very sharp guy. But you get him in front of an audience, not good on TV, not a good speaker, not dynamic. Oh, my God, where's the negatives here? Well, let's let's focus on um, um, Hunter. Yeah, let's do, you know. Yeah. And it really almost forces the media in their attempt to show that they're not in the tank for Biden and that they're not all Democrats. They have to find something negative. What do you do when everything's working? Well, you, you find something. That's what you do. It's, it's almost yeah. like the mainstream media are doing the Republicans' work for them in their effort to show, oh, we're just honest brokers here. Well, no, you're not, because you're not telling the truth about the fact that Biden may not be exciting, but he hasn't done anything wrong. He's just like a normal, competent president. And I say that as somebody who he wasn't my first choice. Mm -hmm. He's pretty much done a good job. I mean, got all the NATO allies together and supporting Ukraine and fighting for democracy. And I, but, but no, I mean, he's old. It's okay. How old is Trump? Yeah. Oh, wait, he's only a couple of years younger. Mm-hmm. Huh. Okay. He's coming up to 82. All right. He's also going to be 80. Ah, okay. But it's okay because, so there's this like effort to like, falsely find balance and there's an effort to find spectacle and that's the worst source of misinformation you wouldn't have been allowed to do that in the 1980s Mm -hmm. the one that drives me crazy donna is we are closer to full employment than we've been in what 50 60 years oh my god and yet we're hearing about a quote-unquote worker shortage that becomes the headline. We're spinning the low unemployment rate into something that is bad, that we should be worried about. Oh, my God, these businesses aren't able to find any employees because oh, no. all the employees are used up working at other jobs. And there's a, there's a bigger story <laughs> that I wish the media would cover. Mm-hmm. Why are so many teachers leaving the profession? Answer because it has become so unpleasant and so 
dangerous in so many mostly red states where they're passing law after law. I mean, they passed a law in Arkansas where it's like you can, you know, arrest a librarian for giving a child a book that is considered inappropriate. Yeah, let's go after librarians, why don't we? Because aren't they the real enemy, Bobby? I mean, isn't the problem in life librarians when you think about it? That's right. And, And ABC does this like glowing look at Moms for Liberty, who may be moms, but I'm not real persuaded that censorship is an example of liberty. Now, I agree. I probably don't want my five-year-old, if I have a five-year-old, to be reading porn. But I don't see how a book about two moms or two dads who are real people in the world. There really are families with two moms or two dads. That's not porn. That's not porn. You don't like LGBT folks? Um, Okay, fine. I disagree with you. They're people like everyone else. But calling books about porn and criminalizing librarians and telling teachers they can't discuss racism, or if they do discuss it, they have to say that slavery was like beneficial to black people mm-hmm. because jobs, I taught them, taught them trades, you know? I, maybe it was trades they didn't want to learn, but never mind that now. And instead of following that story, The media get to focus on what I think in many cases is nonsense and spectacle, and they're missing the real fact we don't have enough nurses, we don't have enough teachers, we don't have enough librarians. The cruelty of some of our culture has made it really hard for those professions to bring in new people. Thank God I'm a professor. I used to be an elementary and middle school teacher back what we used to be called junior high. Mm -hmm. If I had to go through some of that today, I'd quit. Sure I would. Mm -hmm. And we're losing really good people. What is wrong with allowing a high school social studies teacher to discuss racism as it really is in our culture or anti-Semitism as it really is? What's wrong with that? Teenagers know about this stuff. They could use a good guided conversation about it, and they could absolutely use a good conversation about courtesy. But no, we have to pick these phony battles that are based on misconceptions, and we're driving good people out of the profession. And did I miss the front page New York Times story about that? Oh, there wasn't one. Okay. Mm -hmm. So my invitation to the folks at the New York Times and the Washington Post and everywhere else, is there a correlation between the really miserable way that teachers and librarians are being treated and all those folks leaving the profession? Is there a correlation? I say there is. Hey, you know what? Do you have some time for some Patreon questions? Some questions for our Patreon subscribers. Are there some? Yeah, absolutely there are. Everyone loves Donna Halper. Oh, my God, are you kidding? Oh, God, I babble endlessly. (laughs) All right, so T. Richardson asks, I would love to hear Donna's musings on the music industry now and any insight she has for young musicians slash bands. Oh, breaks my heart. Yeah. Breaks my heart. Uh, my friend Jerry Del Colliano, and and when I use my friend, I'm I'm not being sarcastic. A lot of these folks 
are people I've known in the industry for a while. Yeah. You know, do we hang out together? Not necessarily, but we talk, and I really value those conversations. Jerry is a long-time media critic, okay? He's been at it longer than me. Mm -hmm. And he wrote a column the other day about what has happened to Top 40. Top 40 used to be like the tastemakers. They used to be like, they'd pick new music. They'd like, you know, get behind a band. Now it's just wall-to-wall commercials and the same 10 songs over and over. And as a result, young adults, young people are no longer coming to Top 40 to hear the hits the way they used to. So what does this mean? I get asked all the time, if you discovered Rush today, could you get them on radio? Oh, I'd have a hard time. Yeah. Because an awful lot of stations, the worst thing that ever happened to broadcasting, said Donna repeatedly, has been media consolidation. The worst thing that happened was allowing six giant conglomerates to buy up all the stations. It was anti-competitive. And we see this in the textbook companies. I mean, it's like two textbook companies and then all the rest. But the fact is, if you've got two giant companies, Comcast, Xfinity, yeah, how do you like your rates? Well, there's not much you can do because in many cities, there's only like one provider for all intents and purposes. I thought we're supposed to be about competition. Yeah. But media consolidation enabled a media universe where radio stations no longer exist to break new music. Mm -hmm. They exist to get huge ratings so that the shareholders make money. Now, don't get me wrong. I like to make money. I'm real happy I can make my car payment. <laughs> but on the other hand, when I was a consultant, which I was for 28 years, I never saw a good reason to not play new music. Why wouldn't you play new music? Give a band a chance. Yeah. So what do you do today? It's harder. You got to find those few independent stations, and they do still exist, those few independent stations that will give a new band a chance. There are still some outlets that appreciate new music, but unfortunately, these days you're kind of on your own. You kind of have to like go through YouTube and, you know, hope that somebody, you know, reads your blog or, you know, finds you on social media. It's just much harder and it breaks my heart to see it. So, I mean, I wish I had a magic answer. I wish yeah, I did. Yeah. But those of us that really believe in new music should go out and support those bands when we see them playing in the clubs. We should talk about them on social media. We should forward some of their stuff to people so that other folks can find out about them too, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But there's no easy answer like there used to be. In fact, uh, Alex and Getty were interviewed by Strombo. And one of the things they mentioned is a lot of young music fans are listening to predominantly music that was made in the 70s and 80s. Yep. That's how desolate the modern music environment Absolutely. is right now uh, for Absolutely. younger people. It's it's kind of an incredible thing. I mean, I'm, I'm happy. That makes me happy that they're into the music that I loved growing up. But hey, it's I'm weird glad that, that a not... lot of new people are finding Rush. God yeah. bless them. <laughs> right. But on the other hand, who's the next Rush? Yeah, I know. And will they get the opportunity that I was able to provide for Rush. Mm -hmm. Sadly, no, at this point. 
Are there and this any- is why, if any of you are fabulously wealthy, hey, billionaires, want to buy Dawn our radio station? Yeah. I would really, really like to have my own station, and you better believe I'd play new music. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, next question. This is from Mike Espinoza. He says, since you know the guys in Rush, do you also know the members of Max Webster? Not as well. Yeah. Do I know them? Yes. I mean, if I saw them at a party, would I be able to say, aha, <laughs> but have I had lunch with them? Have yeah. I, you know, uh, emailed? No. Um, okay. <laughs> same with the members of KISS. Yeah. I saw KISS without their makeup many, many times. I was backstage with KISS back when, you know, Rush were opening for KISS, and mm -hmm. they couldn't have been nicer. The stage act is very different from how they are in real life. Yeah. Now, did we hang out? We did not. Well, that so, yeah, I would have liked to see I that. I know the members of Max Webster. Yeah. I talked, I may have even, you know, kibitzed about whatever a couple of times, mm -hmm. but were we friendly? I would be lying if I said we were. Okay. Well, Clifford asks, hello, Donna. Aside, <laughs> aside from blessing us with Rush, how do you feel at this point in the United States' apparent march to become a fascist nation? That's a loaded question. Hey, don't hold back, okay? Yeah. Just, I, this guy is subtle, okay? I mean, he just, he, he never really just comes out and says it. Um, <laughs> you are doing one of the things that will keep America from becoming a fascist nation. Mm -hmm. You are listening to Bob Seska's podcast and webcast and reading his Patreon and reading his blogs, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm not just talking about Bob because he's my friend. Mm -hmm. I'm saying the best way to defeat fascism is keep an open mind, listen to both sides of the the issues, seek out responsible spokespeople from both sides. There are plenty of reasonable, never Trump Republicans that I talk to on a regular basis. I read the bulwark on a regular basis. I read the dispatch on a regular basis. Do I agree with everything in them? Nope, sure don't. But these are reasonable, decent human beings who want the best for this country. Yeah. So the best way to fight against fascism, run for office, Support candidates that are anti-fascist. Support candidates that believe in free and fair elections. Stand up for the rule of law. Fight against and speak out against racism, sexism, homophobia. Because honest to God, even if it's not your group being discriminated against, if you allow it with one, it's a slippery slope. Yeah. And it could be anybody. That's why I said what I said about library books. If one book gets banned, I'm an author. I wouldn't take much for somebody to just, ah, you know what? That book that Seska wrote, I don't agree with it. So let's ban it. Yeah, <laughs> this is where it goes. Yep. So are we marching to fascism? On Earth 2, we're already there. But Earth 2 is 30% of the population. Mm -hmm. Earth 1 doesn't want an authoritarian cult. Earth One wants freedom of thought. Earth One wants to be able to make decisions and they may not always work out, but at least we can have the conversation. So keep asking the questions, keep standing up for 
thinking and keep encouraging others to do the same. We ain't fascist yet. Let's hope we never get there. But part of how we got there during World War II, like in places like Germany, were people who went, oh, that could never happen here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely could. Yep. And it's on each of us to call BS when we see it. Okay, so Andrew Coutinho asks, if Donna could go back to a particular decade or era of baseball, which would she go to? Also, has baseball as America's pastime been replaced by something else? And if so, what? So which era would you go back to in baseball? What's your favorite period of time for American baseball? Probably the 50s and the 60s. Yeah. Before baseball players became these like billionaire, Mm -hmm. you know. Again, don't get me wrong. Free agency was a good thing. I'm happy that players can like choose a team instead of being in bondage to a team all the days of their life. But there was just a different attitude about the game back then. It really was the people's game. I've been very upfront about the fact that I come from a working class home, okay? My father worked in a warehouse, okay? And if you think for one minute that he could have afforded a hundred bucks to get a ticket, dream on. Mm -hmm. He didn't make a hundred bucks in a month. Okay, and I'm not being sarcastic. I'm saying working class people back then, even with inflation, did not make a ton of bucks. So the idea that I could go to a ball game and a box seat was two dollars. Yeah. A box seat. Okay. <laughs> I mean, is this heaven? Yeah. I'm I still remember going to the Red Sox game. And the Red Sox weren't very good back then at all, ever. But you went for the experience. I did see Ted Williams. Okay, I did. Now, I don't recall that he hit a home run when I was there that day. But wow, he got a single. The whole crowd just said, oh, my God, he's on base. Mm -hmm. And this was in the tail end of his career. But my point is, these were people who it wasn't so much that they were godlike to us. It was kind of like they were every man and they had made good, if I'm making sense. They weren't multi-billionaires. They weren't like walking around, lording it over everyone. And the average person could still hope to go and see them. Yeah. I miss that. Yeah. yeah. I miss the fact that when I became a big sister, I couldn't afford, I, I was a teacher. I couldn't afford to take my kid to a ball game and I made a pretty decent salary. But when you count up, you know, parking and food and getting and the tickets, it, it's 150, 200 bucks before you're done. Mm-hmm. So to some degree, by having nothing but night games, we've made it impossible for kids to bond with the teams because they're in bed because it's a school night and they can't watch the games. So all of this has been great for the people that own teams, Mm -hmm. but I'm not real persuaded that it's been great for the rest of us. So yeah, was, were the fifties and sixties a golden age for like women's sports writers? No horrible time. Okay. The culture had not changed yet, but if we're talking about the game itself, There was a lot more fundamentals, hit and runs, squeeze plays. It wasn't just getting up there and slugging a home run. In fact, home runs were special. When somebody hit one, it was like a big deal. So, yeah, if I could go back to any era just for the baseball 
it would be that. Okay. What has baseball been replaced by? A lot of things. Okay. Mm -hmm. Football, basketball. We've made it so hard for kids to play baseball. Okay. Maybe that's changing now, but it's a lot easier for a kid to put up a hoop in their yard and just shoot hoops. It's a lot easier to become a basketball player or, you know, perhaps if you're in Canada, a hockey player, but still the cost of tickets is so outrageous yeah. that it really makes it impossible for the average person. Now, televised sports, that's great. I'm happy for it. Sports on the radio, still love it even now. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think sports has become so much of a business. Like, I have a real problem, and I know some people are going to get mad at me, but I have a real problem with the idea that college sports are just a beauty pageant so that the players play for one year and then they go to the pros. I really think getting an education is a good thing. Sure. Now, I know what you're thinking. Donna, you're a professor. Of course you'd say that. No, I was saying that even years ago mm -hmm. because you never know when, God forbid, you're going to get injured. And suddenly the person that was that famous quarterback or that famous forward or that famous whoever – Suddenly, they can't play anymore. And what have they got? Yeah. They never really got much of an education because they were encouraged to just play sports. And I don't think that's a terribly good thing necessarily. Mm -hmm. So the idea that like, oh, you just go for your first year and you show off what you got and then you get drafted. Mm, I, I, I don't think that's helpful. So long story short, I still love sports. I still love watching them. I noticed that Getty Lee did send, spend his birthday at the ballpark, as <laughs> one does. Yep. Because if you're Getty, where would you rather be? But even I, who love sports, I don't get to the games as much as I used to because... Yeah. Yeah, yeah the it's money. such a shame. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, related to that, Mark P. has another baseball question. Donna, what are your thoughts on the recently implemented changes to Major League Baseball? The pitch clock, ban on defensive shifts, larger bases, runner on second and extra innings. Plus, who are your top contenders for the World Series this year? Also, what is the best metric for basing individual performance, in your opinion, which WAR, war is best? I'm not sure what that means. Yeah, see, I, I just, the whole statistics thing, yeah. I, that's a that's a statistics question. Okay. And Auntie Donna, she ain't no good at statistics. <laughs> not, not because I'm female, mm -hmm. but even when I was a radio consultant, um, yes, I would do focus groups. Yes, I would do auditorium testing. Sure, I did. I want all the information I can get. But there's something to be said for your gut. There's something to be said for, you know, I just feel in my heart that this rush record is a perfect record for Cleveland. Yeah. Okay. I never took it to a focus group. I never tested it on anything other than I listened to it. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a good record for Cleveland. So to some degree, I think we have gotten overly statistical. I Well, you know, what's the percentage of the right-handed versus the left-handed? And should we do this with that? If, sometimes if you're a manager... You're just like, you know what? This hitter really hits well against this pitcher. I have no idea why. I don't know what the statistics say, but I know he hits the guy really well, so I'm going to put him up there. I... Now, that having been said, nothing wrong with speeding up the game. It needed it. 
Mm-hmm. You could raise a family waiting for some pitchers to throw a pitch. Okay. I'm serious. Yeah. I mean, they take off their hat. They put their hat back on. They fiddle with their, and then they fiddle with their some more. And then they uh, fix their uniform. And then, and then you're sitting there going, um, will this be over at any time in my life? You know, I really am getting older. I'd like to live long enough to see a pitch get thrown. So in that regard, yes. Now, just like with anything it's going to have to be tweaked. There have been hitters that have bitterly complained about the fact that they don't even get a chance to get into the ball. You know, they're, they're just just getting set in the, in the, all of a sudden it's like the clock says it's time to, nah, I think there's going to be adjustments. But yeah. I think the theory behind it, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we've gone way over to the extreme of everybody taking too long. Back to the 50s and the 60s. The typical game was over in under two hours. And that was even a game where a lot of runs got scored. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I really do believe that you can have an exciting, interesting, fun game and not have it go five hours. And part (laughs) of it not going five hours is get on the silly mound and throw the silly baseball. Okay. (laughs) And same with the hitter. Like get in the batter's box and be ready to hit. Now, I understand sometimes you get a fly in your eye. I, I totally get it. You know, little flies, those fruit flies. You know, um, Alaska is famous for this. There's like black fly season and oh. you're trying to hit and there's the little fruit flies. I get it. Sometimes you got to step out. But there are some hitters that just make a science out of it. Like every 30 seconds, they're just not ready. And it's irritating to the fans. So, yeah, I think the league did the right thing by trying to speed up the game. I think they will get feedback. I think they will tweak it. I just want to put in a word, if I may, for Shohei Otani. Mm-hmm. Is he the most exciting, dynamic player out there? I can't think of another one who is. I can't remember a player who was a two-way player as successfully as him. Okay? Now, I I'm old enough to remember plenty of pitchers who were considered good hitting pitchers, which meant, you know, they got a hit every now and then. This guy hits home runs every night. So, yeah, I it is very rare in baseball to see a pitcher who is also a great hitter. I think that he is wonderful for the game. Now, in terms of who do I predict, I don't. And mm. I'll tell you why I don't. It's August. Yeah. Just like with politics, like when, you know, the newspapers, oh, my God, there's a poll that shows Biden and, and, and then Trump. And, and I'm sitting there going, <laughs> um, the election is like a year from now. And well, who would you vote for? I don't care about what people would do, because very often what they say they would do isn't what they actually do. Bingo. Well, if this new yeah. restaurant opened up, would you go there? sure i'll say whatever you want to say i just want to get off the phone yeah i'll go there fine but i'm more interested in did they actually go there okay so in august i rarely want to get into oh you know who's gonna in 2004 
the Red Sox, the first half of the season, it was a disaster, okay? I mean, they were losing on the road. They looked uncoordinated. They couldn't get a hit under any circumstances. I mean, yeah, they were winning a few games, but they weren't big games. The um, the sports writers that were writing up their grade for the, you know, half the half season mm-hmm. and, you know, gave them all D's and F's and they went on to win the world series. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And broke the alleged curse of the Bambino, which by the way, there is no such thing. It's the title of a book by Dan Shaughnessy. No one <laughs> in the years when it was happening ever used that term, but on the other hand, yeah. After Babe Ruth left the Red Sox. Yeah. They sure didn't win for a long time, but the fact remains If you looked at the first half of 2004, you would never have picked the Red Sox. You wouldn't have. The Mm -hmm. Yankees were like dominant. And yet, who defeated the Yankees in the playoffs? Why wait? It was the Red Sox. Okay. And the year before, they hadn't. They'd lost to the Yankees. But a year later, everything changes. And if you had told me, Oh, yeah, the Red Sox, or that's the team that's going to go. They had all kinds of things that were wrong in their lineup, according to the sports writers. And I was sitting watching TV the night that they won the World Series. And by the way, just like a million people claim they were at Woodstock when in reality they weren't, a million people claim that they were at Fenway Park in 2004 when the Red Sox won. They they were playing in St. Louis, guys. (laughs) Okay? They weren't playing at Fenway Park. But... Never mind. But you get my larger point. Yeah. My larger point is I'm not trying to beg the question. I'm just saying historically teams get hot in September and come out of nowhere. So watch that team that's kind of playing 500 ball right now. Mm -hmm. Watch that team that kind of looks like "Mm -hmm, nothing to write home about because they could catch fire. It's amazing how many times that has happened. You know, Donna, this is the most sports that has ever been on my show in the history of doing this show. And and you know what? That's great. Did I do all right? You you absolutely did great. I love talking about this because you know what? To be perfectly honest with you, I can tell you a secret. I like baseball. I like baseball. Oh, don't tell anybody. Just, I hope you're not going to tell anybody that. Like, keep that under your head. (laughs) Yeah. Except for everyone listening right now. That's all. (laughs) Okay. So, you know what? It's your show. Mm -hmm. I am so delighted to be on it. Yeah. I hope I'm not boring because I don't want to be boring. Never, never. And I'm just honored every time you have me on. Well, yeah. I'm, and I'm honored to have you on, Donna. I'm honored to call you my friend, and I'm so glad that you're able to make time for me and, and to come on and, and talk about all these things. And you never disappoint. You've always got something to say about everything, and there's no throwing you a curveball. You're ready for action oh, no matter what, what the topic is. I see, see what you did there. So you say it, I didn't strike out, huh? That's exactly, exactly right. So where I'm can a, people... I'll be, I'll be here all week. Tell your friends. <laughs> so where can people find you on social media and your blog and uh, everything? Well, my website is www.donnahalper.com. It has uh, new and improved photographs of my induction into the Massachusetts Broadcasters Hall of Fame in June, which was a total shock. I was nuts. Not a humble brag. I was not expecting to be selected to be inducted into the Massachusetts Uh, Broadcasters Hall of Fame. Congratulations. Incredible. And yet... 
it happened. Yeah. It was a thing that happened in the world. And there's pictures. And uh, so, yeah, www.donnahalper.com. You're welcome to email me. My email is dlh at donnahalper.com. Always happy to hear from people. And as folks will tell you, I do answer my emails. I am still on Twitter, X, Wiebelfetzer, or whatever they're calling it this week. Um, Where'd you go, Wiebelfetzer? Um, yes. Um, it's at Devorah Leah, which is my Hebrew name. In fact, mm -hmm. my blog post this week is about my grandmother. Oh, um, nice. I am named after her. And I wanted to introduce people to my grandmother because she was a very interesting lady. So that having been said, that's all I got. And if people are new to you, where do they find you, Bobby? <laughs> All right. Well, you know, people can subscribe to the Patreon page. I'll just throw that in there. But you know what? I just I wanted to officially congratulate you on being inducted into the Radio Hall of Fame. That is an enormous honor uh, for you and so well earned. It should have happened years and years and years ago, but I'm glad that it finally has. And uh, it just it must well, feel so good to be Hall of Fame is a wonderful organization. Yeah. It is a privilege to be among the biggest and best broadcasters. I have no idea what I'm doing there, but I really appreciate it. I think part of it was my work as a media historian, yeah. um, doing the research on the history of broadcasting and on some of the famous DJs and news people and the folks that contributed to us, sportscasters, et cetera, and doing research on the Negro Leagues and doing research into various and sundry things. And of course, I'm sure there were a few Rush fans on the board, but I was on the air for quite a long time and mm -hmm. I had a four decade career in broadcasting Incredible. and I'm very grateful for that. I really am. I wish I had gotten equal pay, but back in the era that was great for baseball, it still was not great for women getting equal pay. Mm -hmm. But that having been said, I still met an awful lot of amazing people. I had an awful lot of amazing things happen to me. And for a working class kid from Dorchester who everybody told me I'd never be anything in life, I think it turned out okay. What there do you, you think? There you are. Completely agree. You're one of a kind. Absolutely. Donna, it was I think so- more of me would be no good for anyone. <laughs> Donna, it was such a pleasure to talk to you again. I'll, I'll put links in the description for everything so people can click on those links and find you that way too. But uh, can't wait to talk to you again. We'll see you next time. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye.